This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports State Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys. Brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Calvin Watkins. And I'm Michael Gelkin. We're two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly real talk conversation about the latest with the team, including interviews, analysis, and debate. Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer in Dallas visiting, dare we say, the NFL's best team. Now, maybe the worst one visits. But before we settle in on the big Cowboys-Texans rivalry, we need to talk about how good this offense has been with Dak Prescott at quarterback. And where exactly do things stand with OBJ after his visit? Calvin, this is an important part of the season for the Cowboys secondary. On one hand, the safeties are playing great. Donovan Wilson, a big part of that. But losing cornerback Anthony Brown to an Achilles tear is a blow. Is Kelvin Joseph ready to step up? Also, Jerome Solomon, longtime sports columnist of the Houston Chronicle, joins us. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. And we're back at Sports Day Cowboys. Calvin, you said it. Since Dak Prescott's return back in week seven, it really took a game until that game against the Chicago Bears. But this offense has been playing at an extremely high level. And Tyron Smith just returned to practice on Wednesday. It seems like we're at a different kind of level right now today than where this Cowboys offense was this time last year where they had started off very fast and kind of petered out as the year went on. Here in December, we're seeing the Cowboys now kind of geared toward the playoffs, playing their best football offensively. That's one of the things Mike McCarthy always talks about is December football. You want to be playing your best football right now. And over the last couple of weeks, the Cowboys have scored at least 40-plus points three times. Remember, they scored 49 against the Bears before the bye. Then they go to Minnesota in the game, we were all a little unsure of, you know, you know what I'm saying? And they blow them out 40-3. to three. And, of course, sometimes you need to have quality wins. Sometimes you need to beat up bad teams, and that's what they did against the Colts. Sure, the Cowboys had 33 points in the fourth quarter, which was a, a franchise record, but they had 54 total points in that game. And a lot of this in that game specifically with the defense, but overall this team is playing fantastic. And Dak Prescott, to me, is – at the top of the list of why things are going so well. No doubt, Calvin, Dak is high on that list. But I think 
it goes beyond him as it often does. I think when things aren't going well, quarterbacks get a lot of the blame. And when things are going well, you know, we have statistics like quarterback wins, which doesn't exist for any other position on the field. There's more to what's going on right now than just the way that Dak Prescott is playing, which I think is something that you're self-acknowledging. I'm not trying to say you aren't, but Mm -hmm. I look at this run game and the way that the Cowboys continue to rotate Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, by the way, Malik Davis, he's impressive as well as an undrafted rookie from Florida. The defense, obviously a huge part of it. I I just think there's a lot of complementary elements, tight end usage, uh, you know, CD Lamb's ascent. Uh, where his yards after catch ability is is more in line of what we saw back in Oklahoma. And his chemistry with Dak Prescott clearly has not been stronger. So uh, there's a lot of things going on beyond number four. But without a doubt, his return is very clearly impacting the Cowboys in, in a positive, positive way. And that is a big part of the success. And you know what, Michael? They got reinforcements on the way. As you said, Tyron Smith... He had his practice window start. We're going to see him at some point. James Washington, he's starting to practice a little bit, even though I don't think he's worth the darn. And whoa, well, I mean, come on, man. I mean, he's got two bad feet. We've 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 talked about this all season, so let's not don't start with me right now. But anyway, uh, you got Tyron Smith coming back at some point, and one of the things they're doing, and you wrote about this uh, earlier this week, was the, the shuffling of the offensive line because they're giving Jason Peterson reps at left tackle, because they're preparing Tyler Smith to go back inside at guard when Tyron Smith comes back at left tackle. So everything is working so well for this team. And let's talk about another possible reinforcement that might not be here because of his health. That's Odell Beckham Jr. And he didn't work out for the Cowboys, didn't work out for for the Buffalo Bills, didn't work out for the New York Giants. I'm not sure what you do with this guy because that left knee recovering from a torn ACL again, I'm not sure if it's worth, if he's worth being on the team at this stage. This is always the part of the Odell Beckham Jr. conversation that we talked about. We understand who he is when he's healthy. We understand his ability as a receiver. Uh, he, he's a, guy that has a lot of accolades he's won a Super Bowl albeit uh, he exited that game with the ACL that we're discussing and all along it was going to come down to his medical where was Mm -hmm. that left knee and after the Cowboys evaluated that knee on Monday and our our David Moore beat writer with us at the Dallas Morning News was first to report Cowboys believe that Odell Beckham Jr. probably isn't going to see the field in the regular season. And if you look at Michael Gallup's recovery from his ACL, same knee, I believe, left ACL that he had back in early January, it took games for him to really trust that knee. Mm -hmm. It it took a while for him and Dak Prescott to, you know, get into a rhythm. And it's kind of come and gone. There's been sometimes you're like, all right, Gallup looks like Gallup. And then you'll have a game where he's held without a catch or a game where it just doesn't seem like it's clicking the way that it had in the past before the injury. It's a process. And now you are just frankly out of, you're running very low on time to work through that with Odell Beckham Jr. When especially you're considering a guy who doesn't have the time in with Dak Prescott that a Gallup had coming off of his ACL. And, And you talked about, you know, spoke a little low of James Washington and his ability to help this team. Well, James Washington has been here since March when he signed April, when the Cowboys started their 
workout program. And but he hasn't been on the field enough, wouldn't you say? Without a doubt, there's questions about his chemistry, but he's got a better chance in that respect. Not that he's Odell Beckham Jr., but he's far farther further along physically today than where Beckham is. He's further along in this offense certainly than where Beckham is, who hasn't even really gotten his hands on a playbook, obviously. So you've got a receiver in James Washington who works at that X spot, which is what Gallup does. He he's right now better positioned to help the Cowboys than Beckham, who we spend a lot more time talking about because of the name and, and, and the status that he's earned. But it comes down to medical, and the medical is not where the Cowboys hoped it would be. No, and and I think that's been the the biggest thing with this. Um, he has torn his ACL twice, you know, and most recently in the Super Bowl, which is in February, and it's hard to compare injuries with other players. I think Gallup is more mental than physical with him overcoming it. I think Beckham might be a little bit uh, tougher mentally to get through it. And in my opinion, Um, and yeah, James Washington knows offense and all that, but we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. here. And we're talking about at the end of the season, you're going to give him a 10 play package. And then you're going to expand that package. If you get him in the playoffs, but at, but the bottom line is I don't believe physically he can he can get it done for you because that knee was always going to be a question. Um, and and Jerry Jones should get a little criticism here because he's a fantastic promoter um, because his tune has changed over the last twenty four hours and when I mean twenty four hours from when they last played on Sunday and then when Jerry did his radio interview on Tuesday because Sunday night when we talked to him after that Colts game he was like I'm all guns blazing here with the OBJ. And then he does a radio interview on uh, Tuesday morning. He's like, well, I don't know. You know, let's see what happens and we got to figure it out. Then Odell Beckham goes to the Mavs game with Parsons and, and Diggs and everyone's going crazy. And now David Moore comes out with a story, you know, Tuesday morning saying there might be some issues here with that knee. And it was always going to be issues with that knee. And there's always issues with not so much the knee, but how much you want to pay that guy for 2023 if you do sign him. It's a tricky situation. We'll see ultimately where it ends, but we are spending a lot of time talking about a guy who's not on this roster, and we should talk about this secondary because it could go either way right now mm-hmm. in terms of the play that they're getting in their secondary. Fortunately, the Cowboys have a heck of a pass rush, and that can mask some deficiencies that you have in, in your secondary because of the clock that quarterbacks have. Uh, quick quickening in their in their mind. They understand they need to get the, the pass off before the pressure arrives. But Anthony Brown, someone who doesn't get a whole lot of credit publicly from media, from fans, he suffers an Achilles injury. And if you had any question as to Anthony Brown's value to the secondary, look at the drop off that they had in Green Bay when he suffered a concussion. Now he's out the year. And it's on Kelvin Joseph, who has the second most penalties on the Cowboys, despite having a pretty limited role in terms of snap count between special teams and the times that he's appeared on defense. Joseph is your starter. And so how quickly the 2021 second round pick can reach his potential is a question. And how the Cowboys coaching staff can get him communicating and, and, and in line with everything. Because this secondary, you look at Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, Jaron Curse. Uh, you want to talk about the game that rookie Deron Bland had this Sunday in the blowout win over the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, there's 
some positive pieces here. Trayvon Diggs, the way he's played. We've talked about him. Best football of his NFL career has come this year despite a modest interception count. But now that other cornerback spot, I, I, I think that is going to be one of the most scrutinized, if not the most scrutinized positions in the coming weeks starting Sunday against the Texans. You know, Kelvin Joseph struggled uh, in his rookie season in the time that he got, you know, on playing corner on defense. And then you would hope that he would have matured a little bit on the field. Now, we all know he was in a very uh, terrible incident over in the spring where a man was killed in a drive-by shooting. Um, Joseph obviously was involved in there in, in some capacity when he was in the car and those kinds of things. And uh, the league is still has you know, investigating that incident. Mike McCarthy had said he hadn't heard from the league yet in terms of any discipline for Joseph. But, you know, Kelvin Joseph had to rebuild his the trust within the organization because it was it was gone. And and now, you know, he's, he's playing special teams because that's the, probably the first way you could kind of earn some trust is, hey, I'm going to bust tail on special teams and get Bones Fossil, who's a special teams coach, on your side. And, he, and Bones Fossil is on his side now. And, of course, you lose Anthony Brown. So now, Kelvin Joseph, you got to play. And yeah. And the most snaps he's played on defense this year was the, was the 41 against Green Bay. And because Brown, I think, had a concussion in that game, so he was forced to play. And then he played 29 because Brown went out with the Achilles uh, against the Colts. So you're a second-round pick. There's a reason why we picked you in the second round. you got to make some plays now. And teams are going to target him. They're not targeting uh, Trayvon Diggs. They're going after Kelvin Joseph. I'm not going to say this is a bust, Michael, because it's unfair because it's only two years. But we need to see a lot more from this kid. We'll get a good look, Calvin, at Kelvin Joseph this Sunday against the Texans. But we're going to really talk about that matchup. We're going to need some help. Jerome Solomon of the Houston Chronicle joins us next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Jerome Solomon is a longtime sports columnist of the Houston Chronicle, and he has seen it all with these Houston Texans-Dallas Cowboys games. And oh, by the way, this is just the sixth regular season meeting between these two formidable teams. But more importantly, it's been a while since these two teams have been involved in something meaningful. Anyhow, let's welcome Mr. Jerome Solomon. Hi, Jerome. Hey, how's it going, Calvin? Thanks for having me on, man. And Michael Gelkin, say hi to Jerome Solomon. Hi, Jerome. Glad to chat with you. <laughs> you, you. You make this sound like it's so meaningful. Is it? Is the Governor's Cup really that valuable right now? I, I, I've been to a few Governor's Cup games in the preseason and the regular season. It's just, just meaningful. The Governor's Cup is the – Michael doesn't know because he's from uh, another part of the world, you know, California. But the Governor's Cup is presented to the winner of the Texans and the Cowboys game. Where and, is this cup? <laughs> I don't know where the cup is at now. It might be in the basement of Jerry's house, kind of like that. Uh, well, all his other stuff is. I, I will say real quick before we get get into these Texans, the um, the Cowboys and Oilers 
matchups back in the day in the 70s and 80s were really huge. I mean, they would play the last preseason game and both sides took it seriously. They'd play their starters through the game and it was it, it was big. They were like trash talking back and forth, but uh, not the Texans do not uh, register on the Cowboys scale anymore. <laughs> One ten and one, the Texans record going into this weekend. I guess let's start there about the season that you've witnessed thus far. Is this a team that has underperformed, or did Lovey Smith just have what I think it certainly has seemed from afar little chance with the roster that was assembled for him? It's both, frankly. Um, it's not a talented roster without a quality quarterback in the NFL, you're not going to win a lot of games and certainly not going to contend unless you have a dominant defense, which the Texans certainly do not have. Uh, But they played well early in the season. They were in some games. They went into the fourth quarter with leads and were tied um, through most of the first six or seven games, uh, but came away with losses in all of those, except for the tie in the season opener when they blew a 20 to three halftime lead to the Indianapolis Colts. So there were, there were opportunities there for wins. They didn't get them. And then there's been some, I I won't call it backsliding, but they've slid from playing good solid football to much of the last uh, six or seven games. They've not competed. I guess the last three games they've scored three points combined in the first half of three games in a row, you're not going to win a lot of NFL games like that. Not good. No. Is, so is Lovey one and done? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. It's, it's a difficult one because uh, Nick Casario, the general manager, is in his second season, and he's already on his second coach. So you would think it would be a difficult conversation for him to go to the owner and say, hey, we want to pay another guy to not coach for us after they're already paying. They, I mean, they, there's the offset stuff, but Bill O'Brien was under contract. And then he made a ridiculous hire with David Culley, who was completely unprepared and unqualified to be a head coach in the NFL. And that lasted one year, as you might imagine it would have. And now if he does that with Lovey Smith, how much leeway do you give a general manager to make that kind of call or as a general manager, I mean, if I'm that guy, I'm going to act like this is the right decision and I'm going to ride it out because I don't, I do not want to have that tough conversation with the owner and put myself in jeopardy. So I'm thinking Lovey will be back, but man, it it's really a challenge to bring a coach back if they finish the season with one or two wins. What happened uh, to this organization? Because they had Deshaun Watson, they had Hopkins, they had Clowney. I mean, they had some DJ Watt. Watt, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying the Texans were going to be like Super Bowl contenders, but this was a quality organization. They had a, a pretty good roster here. And all of a sudden, we're talking about one and done with for a second consecutive year with a head coach. Yeah, they, they, they've gone from somewhere to nowhere really, really quickly. I mean, we're, we're talking about – it was just 2019, three years ago. They In 2018, they won 11-5. 2019, they won 10 games and had a 24 to nothing lead over the Kansas City Chiefs on the road in Kansas City 
in a division round playoff game, this this team was, you know, could have won the Super Bowl that year. Probably weren't going to. The Chiefs went on to win it, came back and won that game. And since then, they won 10 games that year. They've won nine games since. Mm. Bill O'Brien was fired four games into the next year. Deshaun Watson said, I no longer want to be here. And then he went off and and went off and massaged his career into where it is now uh, with the off-the-field issues. And it's and it's been a debacle. I mean, Bill O'Brien traded, you know, one of the best receivers in the league um, in uh, DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt is gone. And it's just it's been just a complete falling apart of a team that wasn't great, but it was, they were better than mediocre. They won four division titles, you know, and back to back division titles and in a sorry division. But, you know, somebody has to win it. Uh, and since then, they've just lost all of their star players. And right now, there is not a player on the team that a majority of fans would go, hey, let me get out of bed and go watch this player play because he's that good. They don't have that player. So after almost 20 years of every game being a sellout, the stadium is empty now. Speaking of the Watson massage scandal, Deshaun Watson was back in Houston this past Sunday. Did that game provide some measure of closure for Texans fans? And what was just what was that like with him back at the stadium? Yeah, it, it I mean, it's horrible to use this term in, in, for this particular thing, but there was closure uh, with Sunday's game for in in a way with Texans fans. But it had been a long time. The guy hadn't played in two years. So it wasn't one of those a guy gets traded or leaves the team in the offseason and comes right back to play there and everybody's fired up and, and really into it. Uh, it, was, it was a strange, just a strange gathering period because, like I said, it had been two years since he'd played. He'd gone through all of the off-the-field stuff, all of the built-up anger that the fans, a good percentage of the fans may have had, had, had kind of dimmed down, not to mention we're, it's week 13 of the season with a team that has won one game, so who's going to show up for that? It would have been completely different if it was the season opener, you know what I mean? Like it, when people are really excited and thinking that something good can happen. And even more odd, there are a lot of fans who showed up wearing Texans number four jerseys wearing Deshaun Watson jersey. So they were not totally out on him, regardless of the personal issues, regardless of not no longer with the team. And it was it was just a really strange day uh, in an organization that's had plenty of strange days. Jerome, you used to cover the Patriots about a thousand years ago for the Boston Globe and oh, we we doing we're doing the age thing, is that is that what we're gonna do? Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. And they ran you out of town. <laughs> ran your ass out of town because it was too cold up there. You used to cover Muhammad Ali fights back in the day. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're going to do that. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry, you know, Ali, Ken Norton, all those dudes. Uh, the, the Cowboys, when you look at their schedule, you see what's going on with them. They got a path here where they the toughest opponent is Philadelphia. And we're not talking about the game they're going to have on Christmas Eve. We're talking about when they get to the playoffs and they might face them, probably not might, they probably will face them in the NFC Championship game if everything lines up. Um, what, what do you see this Cowboys team? Because you've been in this market for a long time and you've seen the hype 
of Jerry Jones and the hype of the Cowboys and, and the disappointments there. Is this, is this for real now in terms of as an outsider in a sense that the Cowboys can make a deep playoff run? Yeah, one, one difference that I certainly see with this team this year, that defense is no joke, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have a defense like that, you're in every game, you're a threat to win every game, and if you have enough offense, you're going to be all right. And, and the Cowboys' offense is better than normal, better than average, and pretty darn good, and their defense scores, so having covered the Patriots and Belichick, one of the things that he always talked about and always stressed as, you know, forget all the analytics, Jerome. Here, here's the two of the two things you look for. How many points do you score? How many points do you let other people score? And the Cowboys, I think the last I looked, they were number three in the league in points for and number three in the league in points against. That's a team that can beat anybody at any time, and this this might be their best chance to make a Super Bowl run uh, in 30 years, basically. Jerome, when I've covered bad teams in the past, there always are these positive elements to the team. Uh, certain players, growth, building a culture, something that you hear in losing locker rooms uh, amid difficulty on the scoreboard. Is it left tackle Laramie Tunsil's play? Is it the rookie running back Damian Pierce? I mean, what are – positives, if any, that the Texans are taking from this adversity? One thing for sure is they do play hard. I mean, they're, they haven't given up. They're not, they're not one of the teams that's just going through the motions. Uh, they're just not as talented as other teams, but the, the players are not bickering. They're not uh, saying things off the record, you know, trying to tear the team down or anything like that. I miss those days. We get ahead, son. Yeah, exactly. I, I, those, those, that's the fun. St- it, it's horrible to cover a, a one-win team and nobody's even talking bad about the team. Like, come on, man. Will y'all work with a brother here? Give me some <laughs> Give me some dirt on why this team is so bad. But I, I will say I'll give Nick Casario some credit there in that he's brought – he has a, a group of – High quality character players, guys who are professionals and who will show up. I mean, there there have been a couple little things that they've had, um, but nothing nothing that has made the national news because it's scandalous. You know what I mean? And usually, a bad team will have something scandalous about it, and the Texans have not had that. So, and part of that, without question, is Lovey Smith. He's a pro. He's a sharp man. Players respect him big time, so they're not going around saying our coach is not good, as you get so often with bad teams. The first breakdown is they look at each other and go, you know, our coach doesn't know what he's doing, right? The Texans Texans don't have that, so I'll give them credit for that. And they are playing. They're still trying to win games. They're not just playing to try to get the number one draft pick. Uh, They're going to get it. But they're not trying to. <laughs> but uh, like I said, they, they, they've, they have a good locker room, a good solid locker room, which is pretty amazing at this late in the season to still be hanging on. I would think it's tough. And, and Michael has covered bad teams. The only bad team I've ever covered was the SMU team when it went 0-12. And, and, it, and Michael can attest to this, and you probably can too, Jerome. When you go in that locker room, it's a beating. You know, because there's nothing to talk about, really. How many questions can I ask when you when you suck every week? I don't know how, what I can – I can't be that serious. <laughs> I don't know about Michael. I disagree. Uh, 
I think there are advantages to a losing locker room, like a, a team that continues to lose. Not to say I don't root against the team I cover. Certainly, I, I don't. I don't have a, a dog in the fight one way or the other. But when a team is is losing consistently, I think there's an opportunity as a reporter to just show that you're going to be fair. If they're struggling, you're going to ask them about their struggles, but you're going to do it in a way that still treats the players like they're, like they're people. And I think that takes off in the long term. <laughs> a losing locker room, a lot of valuable relationships can be built in, 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 the, in the heat of it. I'm, I'm just messing with him. I agree with you. I'll, I'll put a different spin he, on it. But he I, doesn't agree with you, Michael. He does not agree. I do. With you. I wouldn't say I agree with you. I did. We're in the golden era in Houston. We're in the golden era of Houston Astros where they've been dominant. They're the best team in baseball for the last six or seven years, four World Series, two World Series wins. But when Jim Crane bought the team in 2011, they had three straight years of their worst seasons ever, three 100 lost seasons. Jose Altuve was the man to talk to every night after each one of those losses piling up. And yeah, a lot of relationships were built there. But, it's, mm-hmm. uh, but I will say, I, I root for me more than I root for anybody else. And so part of that I really do fit with Michael on this and in, in when I covered the Texans, so much of their history has been eight and eight, you know, mediocre, middle of the road. And I tell fans all the time, I would much rather them go 16 and 0 and win every game in overtime or go 0 and, not 17, 0 and 17 and lose every game in overtime. Those are better stories than eight and eight, eight and nine now, you know, it, it, that middle of the road where you just average and, and I do hear from fans, I'm sure you guys hear sometimes too, if you are a little bit critical, and I'm a columnist, so I do a little bit more of this than you guys do, uh, but man, you make it sound so personal. It sounds like you hate them. And I'm like, it is personal. <laughs> I have to go there and sit there through four hours of this every week. As a fan, you can turn off the TV. You can leave the stadium. You can go watch the good games. I, I have to be there every dog on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I get a little salty sometimes when I'm not being entertained. I'd much rather, I don't care if you win or lose, entertain me. You'd have to pay you to watch Houston Texans games, which works out. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I'm, I'm getting paid. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Were I not paid, oh, I'd probably not be watching without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. You, you, do, you, do you get what I'm saying, Calvin? Like everyone loves a winner. So as a reporter, when you're trying to build rapport with guys, I think it's easier to break through when not everyone is just asking them a bunch of, I was just, I think it's, it's easier to do it when, I think it's, your, your approach as a reporter in terms of being fair stands out more in a losing locker room than as a winning locker room. No, that's, that's- I, 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 no, I, no, believe me, I understand what you're saying, but when, when you're not a very good team, it's not about being fair. It's about telling the truth. And you're not good, so, I mean, what are we talking about here? And, and I've covered some bad teams. I've covered some mediocre Cowboys teams. And they've had some bad players on those mediocre teams. And you just can't – you're just not at this level where you should be able to play, and that's what we're going to write. It's not about being fair. It's about telling the truth for the reader. Now, believe me, I love to have – great stories and, and those kinds of things. But I've covered a lot of, a lot of, a lot of BS over the years with the Cowboys. And, um, hey, man, you got to tell it like it is, bro. Michael does hit on a point, though, where 
like if you the good players on the bad teams, mm-hmm. you know, they appreciate that, you know, you can say the total team effort, you know, didn't result in a win. So yeah, you don't do the rah rah, but you can go, this guy here played his butt off. You know, when Texans weren't winning and you're like, but Andre Johnson is showing up every week. Andre is still delivering. So he can yeah. he can he can uh, appreciate that and say, okay, this guy gets it. He's watching the whole game. He's not blaming me for the losses. But you can also, I mean, this goes off on a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, like a Sage Rosenfeld is a quarterback for the Texans. Uh, he's a backup. He should have been starting because um, David Carr wasn't any good and they didn't let him start. Then he was just about to be the starter and then he got hurt. But he had a game where the Texans were leading – um, the Colts by 17 in the, late in the fourth quarter, and he made a couple of huge mistakes and did what people have affectionately call the Rosencopter when he went airborne and fumbled the ball that was returned. And and I wrote about the Rosencopter for weeks after that, right? <laughs> I mean, I was just throwing it in the columns. Just He wasn't even playing anymore. He was back on the bench, and I was just dropping it in for the hell of it. And he reached, he reached out and said, dude, why you keep bringing this up? I was like, well, that's the last thing you did. He's like, but I haven't done anything else. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not being fair. I'm just making fun of it because it was funny to me. And I was going too far, you know? And he and I are really cool and became friends and being able to talk and the source after that, because I agree with him. You know what? I was, I was taking advantage of a poor situation there because the team was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome sometimes at the end of our interviews we ask the guests to make a prediction for the upcoming game we are not going to waste your time with that this week but let's just go ahead and phrase it this way Houston Texans have not scored more than 17 points in six straight games again they only have one win on the year they open the week as 17 point underdogs is there a scenario and if so what that the Texans can actually win this game in Arlington? A, a, a non-COVID scenario? You mean a, a non-COVID, non-active <laughs> God scenario. The COVID but, takes out Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott? Okay. Listen, if you don't believe in God, I don't know why I'm even on this podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm not talking to you heathens. If God wants the Texans to win, he's going to have to do some work. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so I leave it at that. Otherwise, if God stays out of it, it's going to be something to 10. And the something is going to be a big number. Of course, you know, we, we all know that sometimes teams can just overlook a team and, you know, not give a full effort. But the Cowboys, I believe, they don't have to give a full effort to win this game. They can play average, an average game, an okay game, and still win it by a couple of touchdowns. And it's, 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 that's just the way it is. Well, Jerome, I, I'm glad we got this journalism lesson from you and Michael here. And <laughs> the next time I cover a three and fourteen team, I, I will think a little more positively and and pat some guys on the backs for getting paid twice a month for playing hard. Jerome, appreciate you for joining us, and we'll see you at the stadium Sunday. Looking forward to it. Thanks, all guys. Enjoyed it. We appreciate Jerome Solomon's. Uh, time for our podcast coming up next we'll talk about a photo from 1957 ezekiel elliott lebron james and jerry jones i disagree is next
Hey listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. I feel very strongly about this, Calvin, and I'd be fascinated to know as to why you disagree with it. But here's what I feel. Yes, the Cowboys won 54-19 to last Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts, but their owner, to me, caught a major L when he chose to talk about a disciplinary issue being the reason why Ezekiel Elliott did not start that game in, in favor of Tony Pollard. That was a mistake to do that. I disagree, Michael, and here's why. The players, they, they, they can be upset all they want about what Jerry Jones said after the Colts game, but what are they going to do about it? Is Dak going to request a trade? Is Zach Martin going to request a trade? Are they going to boycott the season? No. NFL players, they shut up and play. That's what they do. NFL players do not have the same power as NBA players or Major League Baseball players. So Jerry Jones can say whatever he wants, and he has done so since he's owned the team, when he purchased the team back in, in the late 80s. The bottom line is, yes, Jerry should have kept it in-house, but the players, what are they going to do? Nothing. They're going to cash some checks on the 15th and the 30th, and they're going to keep it moving. And we all understand, you know, that Jerry probably shouldn't say anything, but that's not Jerry Jones. Sounds like you agree with me. No. You, well, I'm saying that Jerry should have said anything but what he said. If you're asked, which is what happened, he was asked, why did Ezekiel Elliott not start that game? And he gives an explanation that it was because of a disciplinary reason, something minor the way it was. It was like, you know, his phone going off in a meeting or him being late to a meeting. I thought it was overboard. I wouldn't have been so harsh with my discipline if I was the coach. I'm sorry. You, your team just put up 50-plus points in a game, which is very hard to do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Your franchise just put up 33 points in a quarter, which had never been done before. And you're going to go ahead and make yourself the center of attention or bring some negativity to the circle by answering a question with that sort of nonsense and, and, and put Zeke in a, in a negative light. That is a great way to get eye rolls in your locker room. That is a great way to just lose respect, frankly, about you, your need to make yourself part of the conversation. That's what Jerry did in that moment. He inserted himself in a way that didn't need to happen. Look, Jerry knows how to give non-answers. He does? You want to listen to Jerry give a non-answer? Turn on the radio the previous week when 105.3 The Fan asked Jerry Jones for his thoughts about LeBron James' comments about the media disparity in terms of LeBron James not being asked about the 1957 photo that featured Jerry Jones standing in a crowd as a bunch of white students impeded black students entrance into that campus. Jerry Jones did nothing to answer that question. All he did was compliment LeBron James repeatedly. That's a non-answer. Jerry knows how to do it. It's exactly what he should have done on Sunday. He didn't. It was a mistake. You don't say, oh, yeah, my coaching staff is, is disciplining its players too harshly. I'm 
Sorry, at what point is it appropriate for an owner to get in the way publicly? After a big win, it just adds more to it. But to talk so out of turn about the way your coach is handling something in-house, to me, that needs to be kept in the locker room and not, needs not to be said in front of reporters. It was a mistake. He never should have done it. And I think you agree with me in our I disagree segment. You just think that the Cowboys players can't do anything about it. And just because they're powerless and they have to play for the guy doesn't mean that he's infallible. He can still make mistakes. And that's what he did on Sunday. Uh, I'm just going to be gentle with you here. There's a reason why he's the owner and general manager. He can do whatever he wants. He is the, he is the face of the franchise, you know, and, and look, I, I, I get what you're saying. He should have kept it in house, but Jerry doesn't keep anything in house. Okay, we were at the combine a couple of years ago, and he was, and he, and he told us, you know what? I was taking a shower, and I was thinking about resigning Des Bryant. You know, what GM would say something like that? You know, so the the, the bottom line here with Jerry is he's going to say and do whatever he wants, as Jason Garrett used to say. That comes with the dinner. This is who he is. He's going to tell you what he thinks, and if you don't like it, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. You can't do anything about it, but you got to show up and play and cash those checks twice a month. That's the bottom line. Now, if Jerry was, you know, a different type of general manager, you know what I'm saying? That, yeah, we're not having access to him. He's not getting that question. After that Colts game, I asked Mike McCarthy, I said, what happened to Zeke? You know, why wasn't he, you know, starting, you know, he missed the first seven snaps of the game. And he said, oh, that's just part of the rotation. Those guys all play a lot. That was coach speak. Mike McCarthy had a chance to say, hey, I disciplined his ass because he was late to a meeting or his phone went off. But no, Mike McCarthy did coach speak. Jerry Jones is not the same as a head coach. Jerry Jones can say and do what he wants. Why? Because on the paperwork, it says Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas football Cowboys. So he could say he is the boss. He's a boss, no doubt about it. But I don't think you can excuse his comments. It's just, oh, that's Jerry being Jerry. It is Jerry being Jerry. He's capable of not answering that question the way that he did. He made a mistake. I think if he could do that over again, that's exactly what he would do. He was wrong to do it, and he needs to be better in that sort of situation. you got to keep information like that. As much as we're in the information business, you want to tell us why a guy <laughs> didn't start a game? Oh, bring it on. Our reporters are rolling. But that doesn't mean that you should tell us. I don't need to know that. You, you're, you're the owner. You sign all the checks you can also keep your mouth shut you're capable of that he has demonstrated that very recently and he should have demonstrated that again on sunday i think that's all the time we have i love to have the last word calvin i'm just not going to give you the opportunity to to, to say anything at all <laughs> spoil the the moment of my victory uh thank you everyone so much for listening The show is produced by Damon Marks, and you can stay up to date on every episode by following Sports Day Cowboys wherever you get your audio, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find the show by following the Dallas Morning News in those same players. You can also find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. you also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. Sounds like a great Christmas gift to me, Calvin. We also want to hear more from you. So please email us your questions, comments, or what we really want, voice memos. Record yourself, 15, 20 seconds. Go ahead and email that to DMN, DMN, Dallas Morning News, DMN Cowboys at DallasNews.com. You can also ping us directly on Twitter at DMN underscore Cowboys and on Facebook at Cowboys Fan Central. For the news, I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins. We'll see you next week.
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.